Hey, everybody. It's on Texas football early signing day live stream special. You're seeing a lot of smiling faces in the boxes there. Bob, you can smile, man. Come on, give us the big guy. <laughs> He's looking at a text message. This guy's always busy. He's been at it up early this morning. It's been an incredibly uh, great day for the University of Texas football program, the 2024 signing class. Hit on almost all of them. There's, we'll talk about one that didn't quite hit, but that's at the end of the show. We're going to go about, what, 45 minutes or so. We're going to discuss uh, Coach Steve Sarkeesian's news conference. He just had at 3.30. Our C.J. Vogel, there he is wearing the ball cap down in the bottom of the box right there. He was in, in attendance for Steve Sarkeesian's news conference, had some great questions. You see Bobby Burton on the top, Rod Babers, Lifetime Longhorn, and C.J. Vogel. C.J., we're going to start with you. What would you think about what uh, Coach Sarkeesian had to say? Anything jump out at you as you uh, listen to his answers? No, absolutely. I thought it was a good press conference. Exactly what you wanted to hear from a coach that has a lot at stake currently on his tray moving forward to a bowl season for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, Texas, you know, again, the, the recurring theme that I continued to hear leading up to today and then also when Sarkeesian got on the press conference was, one, not only the talent that Texas was bringing in, uh, along with the versatility that each prospect brings to the table, but it also is the kind of character and the kind of player that they are off the field, the kind of person they are off the field. And I think that speaks a lot to what we have talked a lot about in terms of what the culture is currently on the 40 acres, you know, what kind of players are being addressed, how they're being or going about the portal even and targeting what, you know, kind of specific players they want to bring into their locker room. That was a recurring theme. And he spoke at length about, you know, just kind of the, the, the good, you know, heartedness, you know, the kind heartedness, the, 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 the people that and players that they are adding in this class, there's a lot of optimism and Sarkeesian was, you know, in a great mood as a result of, uh, you know, a almost perfect day when you consider who Texas was able to bring in. Hey, Bobby, I think you may have referenced it earlier. Uh, please go ahead if you'd like to, but I wanted to ask you about what Jeff Banks said earlier today about culture, how they're making sure that they get the type of guy that they want on the team. And so if you want to go in that direction, you're welcome to, but I'll listen to what you had to say too, sir. Yeah, I, I really liked uh, the the Sark presser. I liked what uh, Rod and I talked about this uh, earlier today as well, about what Jeff Banks had to say. Look, I, I want to go back to this more than anything. They're being selective. Mm -hmm. Now, um, that doesn't mean they can be, you know, when, when you were five and seven, you couldn't be ultra selective. You couldn't be. You had to take guys like a Jai Hall in the in the portal, uh, Jaleel Billings. You you had to because you had major holes to fill. That if you didn't, you might be playing a true freshman out there instead. When you knew that wasn't what's best really for the team to be competitive. Now you you hear them talk about the portal. You hear them talk about some of the high school players, and it's all about fit. And that's the that's the trajectory or that's the roadmap of the program right to go from five and seven and a newcomer to the to eight and five and get getting your wheels going your training wheels are going to now 12 and one where you're you should be fully operational right and they are they're showing that they're fully operational next year i mean i'm just this is just me saying this texas is going to have a top five class today we can go over the national team, uh, team rankings my bet is texas is somewhere in the top three a year from now when we're talking about this recruiting class because of what they're doing right now, because of the, the inroads they've made, all of that stuff is just leading to Sark upping the ante, in my opinion. 
Plus, they're entering the SEC full time. I mean, just all of those things tell me whether it's Jeff Banks talking about it or Steve Sarkeesian talking about it. It's just that upward trajectory where I don't think they're finished rolling down. I don't feel. I don't think the snowball's finished rolling down the hill. It's still rolling. We're just sure. watching it right now. Hey, uh, Rod, uh, as we look at some of the national rankings there, we see Texas currently sitting in fourth place uh, there. So uh, not shabby company there. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, the usual suspects. They're at one through three. I don't know if you got a chance to see much of Coach Sarkeesian's news conference, but just your impressions on what happened today, some of the players who signed with Texas uh, and how they would fit into the program moving forward. Yeah, I think, you know, this class specifically, um, for me, just the way I'm looking at things, you know, early on the roster construction for Sark, it was pretty obvious. <clears throat> I don't know if it, I can say selfishly, but, you know, he's an offensive guy, he's a head coach, play caller, wanted to build the offense first, right? That's my, you know, it's his offense. He wanted to build it first. It's pretty obvious. Look at the quarterback room. <clears throat> Look at the big humans on the offensive line in the trenches there. Hell, he brought Xavier with him. Uh, Xavier Worthy with him pretty much uh, when he first came to Texas. So they rebuilt and construct the offense, took JT Sanders, a guy that's a five-star athlete, could have played offense, could have played defense. Well, with Sark, he's playing offense. And we agree the offense is in a really good place. I mean, we all thought, man, the, the running game is going to have a, a real regression when Bijan and Rojo leave. Naturally, of course it is, right? You got your, your best leader and your best player leaving that room, going to the NFL. Of course it's going to regress. Yeah, well, did it? It did, maybe, kind of. I don't know if it did, actually, because Charlie Brooks was in the Doak Walker uh, Award conversation until he got hurt. And then when he gets and when he gets hurt, you got CJ Baxter rushes for 100 yards in a game, and then Jaden Blue rushes for 100 yards in a game. You think to yourself, well, did the running game regress? That's actually a conversation that we can have. So that's the offense is fine. This class represents, I think, kind of what they're doing to rebuild the defense. They brought in some pieces they already like that they envision are going to be the future for PK's defense. And I think now they're constructing this defense. Anthony Hill's your movable chess piece. you got, you know, now in this class, you're bringing in a Colin Simmons as that dynamic edge rusher to make splash plays in the secondary. And this class specifically looks like it's putting the finishing touches on the secondary. It started with Derek Williams a coverage uh, specialist at safety, which is he's already your best coverage safety. And he's a freshman tells you what they already, you know, kind of how they're building this thing. And then you got a guy like Xavier Phils and me, he almost looks like the kind of a prototype of what Derek Williams is long rangey can be a coverage specialist can run the alley. Uh, you got what I believe four five, five DBs in this class uh, that they're bringing in. So that, and that includes Makuba as well. It looks like now they're, in terms of building the, constructing the roster, they're building the defense specifically with these last couple of classes. And they're bringing in those, they're, they're, they're kind of guys, whether it be at the back end or even on the front and on the defensive line. That's kind of what I see with this class. Hmm. Hey, uh, and Bobby and CJ, I'm going to throw out a couple of names that you I see in the chat and they've been coming up a few times. So let, I'll ask you to see if there's any development on Trey. The uh, edge, Trey Moore, the edge from UTSA, and then Dalen Evans, who I guess Pine Tree and Longview, the defensive lineman who have been committed to AM. Any uh, late word on those two youngsters? Yeah, I'll, let me take Trey Moore. And then I think I, I have some news on Dalen Evans. We, we need to get to that too. Um, Trey Moore uh, is still making up his mind as of 3 30 this afternoon. Uh, that's the last uh, text I got on that situation. Uh, now, Texas is hopeful there, but Alabama has made it interesting, and it is a Texas-Alabama 
match right now for the uh, edge rusher from UTSA, who had 14 and a half sacks last year, 17 tackles for loss. Uh, there's nothing new other than I would not say that this is definitely Texas or definitely Alabama. I think this is 50-50 right now. Uh, I, I, I actually don't think it's 50-50. As far as my knowledge, though, I wouldn't lean either way. I think the, the player probably knows where he's going already, but my feedback, what I'm getting, is straight down the middle. So, hmm. you know, take that for what it is. That's number one. De'Alon Evans is actually saying, he wrote, uh, told a reporter today that Texas uh, was his dream school. However, he still may sign with Texas A&M later today. I think that starts at 5 o'clock. Um, anyways, my, my point uh, <laughs> on all of this is we don't know what uh, De'Alon Evans is going to do. Uh, we do know that Texas, based on his uh, on Steve Sarkeesian's comments today, I thought were very interesting. CJ, you know, he's talking about Steve Sarkeesian said in his presser just moments ago, we absolutely have some more work ahead of us. And I think he talked about a wide, wide receiver. We were talking about defensive line, potentially. We were also talking about uh, maybe some other positions that they want to slide in on and, and, and uh, add to the group. What what did you hear from that? CJ, that that press conference that you were at to try to distinguish and give people a sense of what was said there. Yeah, I mean, we supposed long day, Bobby, but we specifically know <laughs> that Ty Anthony Smith is a guy that Texas is after right now. We know that linebacker is looking to get a guy in the fold right now in the 2024 class. Defensive line, the three guys that we have mentioned all week, whether it be Alex Foster, Dominic McKinley, or Dalen Evans, as you just talked about, Bobby, all three of them remain on the table. And we'll see just how, uh, you know, the rest of the day falls suit. And then as well as it leaks into uh, February for multiple of those guys as well. But the comment that really stood out to me, and it's been theorized amongst us and amongst guys on Twitter, you know, uh, the rest of the, tw uh, the Texas football universe as well, was the need at wide receiver. And Sarkeesian mentioned it, you know, up front, didn't try to hide anything. He said, you know what, we might not be done right now at the wide receiver position. And that's even with the addition of Matthew Golden and three guys in the 2024 class currently who all bring in, uh, you know, pretty unique skill sets. And so that was something that really stood out to me. And I think it obviously makes sense when you kind of consider what is ahead of Texas roster construction wise, as Rod was talking about earlier, and also trying to, you know, kind of replicate the production and the experience that Texas will be losing uh, following this, this, uh, these last two games in the college football playoffs. So uh, that certainly stood out to me and it will have to be on the lookout body uh, for, you know, just who Texas might potentially target. We've floated some names in the 2024 class. Uh, we've obviously been aware of, you know, the Evan Stewart portal entry uh, and as well as, you know, who else might enter the portal later on, that will be something we'll have to follow up with and, and just see just where Texas goes uh, in their pursuit of adding another wide receiver. Hey, uh, Matthew Hutchison is our – go ahead, Bobby. You got a late-breaking uh, update for us? Yeah. NCAA uh, sent a notice of allegations to Jim Harbaugh. Oh. This is I think his one. team has a big game coming up, right? No, but this is a new – this is not – this is not the first one that he already set out three games for. This is not the sign-stealing scandal. Some this new? is now – the NCAA sent Michigan and head football coach Jim Harbaugh a notice of allegations regarding previous recruiting violations that are unrelated to the ongoing investigation into the program's sign-stealing scandal. 
According to The Athletic, the NCAA issued a level one violation against Harbaugh for, quote, allegedly providing false or misleading information in an, in, into an investigation into recruiting fraction, infractions during the COVID-19 dead period. Hmm. That, 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 you know, look, he just needs to go on and go to the pros. Yeah, he clearly doesn't understand better, the huh? rules in college football. <laughs> <laughs> he just well, clearly doesn't understand. I think he understands them. I think he thinks they're stupid. And he's thinking, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's just, just, just so stupid rules. I can violate them because I, I justify my, you know what I mean, my brazen disrespect for these rules because they're dumb, antiquated rules, which they are, by the way. The headset yeah. communication, we all agree, stupid. And some of these recruiting, um, well, that, rule, you know what I mean, recruiting bylaws and rules, they're stupid. Especially in the modern era of recruiting. So I, I think he just, you're right. He probably needs to go to the NFL because they don't have to worry about this. But yeah, man, he, these rules are ridiculous. That's why, the, that's why they, look what did Chip Kelly say? They need a commissioner. And it's time for the haves to separate from the have-nots. Mm. And it's time to start playing big boy football, y'all. All right? Yeah. It's time. We all know. Give them a piece of the pie and let's move on. Seriously. Hey, guys, I want to I want to add one other piece here. Uh, Jordan Whittington just earned an invite. Uh, to the Senior Bowl as well. Ooh, that just the University good. of Texas just put that news out. Um, I want to add a couple other things here uh, as we talk about this. Um, in my opinion, right now, uh, based on what I heard, another receiver, possibly an edge, possibly a linebacker. Sark specifically said we've got some more things to do. We got a couple more things we're looking at doing here, and I took that to mean in the next 24, 48 hours. In the next 24, 20, or 48 hours, I don't think that's going to be a receiver. I think he's talking about Trey Moore, potentially, and Ty Anthony Smith. Uh, CJ, you agree with that assessment at right now for him? I think portal, I think receiver may be later after the, the new year. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, certainly from the conversations that we've had with, you know, guys throughout, you know, the, the college football universe, it certainly makes sense with the timelines that, have been presented to us. Obviously, Alex Foster wants to push back. Uh, Dominic McKinley was in that conversation as well. There's been a late surge for De'Alon Evans, uh, and and you've been in communications with uh, Trey Trey Moore's camp as well. And just how you know, kind of you know, up in the air, a decision could be coming this week or not. So it is you know looking like you said, the next 24 to 48 hours are going to be vital to see which uh, of those positions are are addressed. And, and Bobby, there are still a lot of teams playing college football right now. You know, uh, we'll see, you know, just as this portal window continues, who departs following bowl games, which of these names might be attractive to Texas. And, you know, really just who becomes available, I think will be interesting to watch as this portal window carries over into, uh, what is it, January 2nd? Yeah. January 2nd is the last day to enter the portal. Now, one thing to note, uh, there's a 48-hour window, Ray, uh, that they talk about. Like, so you can enter the second, but actually not have your name show up to the fourth. Mm -hmm. So realize when we're reporting on this, it could be the, the second when you hear kid says, I put my name in the portal, but then he won't officially show up until the fourth. Schools have 48 hours uh, to put the name actually in the portal and process uh, the paperwork. Gotcha. Hey, Matthew Hutchison, our esteemed producer at 4.38 p.m., 
poster named Trooper Green had kind of a, a, I think he's being a little bit sarcastic, but he's got a kernel of truth in his comment. Again, 438, Trooper Green. Now, Rod Babers keeps saying there's no way to negative recruit Texas. There is one. Immediate playing time is rapidly shrinking. Now, I see Bobby Chuckle, but the, for example, receiver, the circle of trust. So let's yeah. kind of take Trooper Green's kind of glib comment and look at the reality of it. I'm glad Ryan Wingo didn't look at the rotation and think, yeah, I may not get to, feel, to see the field for two years because, <laughs> you know, John Tay didn't get as many opportunities as he may have received elsewhere. DeAndre Moore was on a podcast uh, today that came out, I think it came out today. Yeah, during Longhorn. What a great interview with this young man and yeah. really impressed with him. He's not seen the field hardly at all, but he's got the best attitude you could possibly have. How does what Trooper Green say, again, kind of in a comical way a bit, but there's a little bit of truth to that, right? No, no, it is. I, I, it's a great point he brings up because this is a this is a first world problem, right? This is a, the issue that, <laughs> that, that that Georgia has and, and Bama mm-hmm. has. That's their recruiters like, man, I might not play immediately because there's a five five star ahead of me. He's a really good player and he's got, you know, he's on NFL draft board. So I might not play that guy. So, you know, you have to wait in terms of the development and that that's the pipeline I talk about, right? You're seeing it at D line, Texas trying to get that linebacker where it's like, all right, next up, if you can earn the job at this program, you're probably an NFL guy. <laughs> that's just the reality of it. That's what Bama does. Georgia does right now. Ohio state's got pipelines like that. If you're an Ohio state wide receiver, what do we know? Well, Probably an NFL guy. It's hard to earn that kind of job with the competitive level, right? The competition level that they have there and not being an NFL guy. So I think that's what you're trying to develop. So you're right, Truby Green. That's that's ultimately what Texas wants. But also start combats that by playing. A, if you're a prodigy, he'll play you, right? If you're, mm-hmm. you're a prodigy, X-Man, CJ Baxter, Derek Williams, Anthony Hill, if you're a prodigy, he'll play you. And he rotates except a wide receiver. Every uh, and seven wide receiving O line, they like to rotate. Even running sure. back now, we're seeing them rotate some guys and get in there. You know, for a lot of positions, he rotate on defense. Uh, sorry, on offense, he's pretty rigid. Uh, but on defense, hell, man, we've complained about too many rotations of guys because they're playing so many guys. So there are reps, uh, you know, specifically on the team at different spots. So you're right. That's a first world problem, Trooper Green, and you want that problem. All right, that's yeah. like four or five universities around the country. That's exactly what they have. That's the key to the pipeline, though. Hey, Bobby, the one recruit we didn't get today that had been committed was Aaron Hampton, Bubba from Dangerfield, picked Alabama instead. Is the If we want to look at it negatively, I know some people are saying, well, he was probably the kid that was most likely to flip anyway, so there might have been an expectation there. Is the worst part of that losing the player Aaron Hampton or losing the battle to Nick Saban? Um, that's a great question. I, I, don't, I don't know that... Uh, I would say that it's it's losing to Nick Saban. I, I just okay. don't. I mean, Nick Saban's going to get his no matter who who he's going up against. Not that he's going to win every single one. He he doesn't do that. Um, ultimately, um, my my question was always going to be, what position is Aaron Hampton going to play? Uh, the was he going to be a wide receiver? Was he going to be a safety or corner or nickel? What position was he going to play? In that regard, I don't know that that was a big, huge loss to Texas. And it didn't come out that way, you know, in the, in the national rankings as part of that. I do think they could find another uh, player in that category. Uh, somebody's mentioned Aaron Butler as a receiver out of Calabasas, California, or Ryan Williams, a wide receiver out of Alabama that's a 2024, originally a 2025. 
um, a portal wide receiver, et cetera, that could fill those roles. I also think there's probably another DB out there that they could get in the portal if they wanted to, that could fill, fill more immediate needs than Aaron Hampton. So it wasn't a major one. I don't think it was about, uh, about Nick Saban. I think that it may make for a nice press release, but you know, we've all seen nice press releases in recruiting. The real, the real issue is can they play on Saturday and do they make your team better? And I, I feel really, really good about this recruiting class for Texas. I mean, I just, I do. And I've been feeling good about it since the summer when they started tacking on, when you go from guys like Colin Simmons and then Kobe Black and then Zunia Umiozulu and then uh, Brandon Baker, you know, they just hit four, five, Wardell Mack changed, Xavier Filsamy. All of those guys, they just kept hitting, hitting, hitting. And it was, it was a slow burn is hmm. what it was. It wasn't this avalanche. It was a slow burn. And then here at the end, it feels like an avalanche because guess what? They put all the snow on top and it's ready to fall. You know what I mean? So right. I, I feel good about this. I don't think it has to do with Nick Saban, even though I guarantee you that he probably got a kick out of himself personally. It doesn't doesn't really yeah. do much. Hey, let's mention that at 630 tonight, there might still be another player to grab. Over right. Jasper, a linebacker. Want to tell us a little bit about Ty Anthony Smith? Yeah, I'll let uh, CJ, you want to do that real quick? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, talented ball player. I was very impressed with him, seeing him in seven-on-seven action. Uh, because, you know, at the linebacker position, a lot of times uh, there's kind of a, a a barrier or, you know, kind of a hurdle that, you know, linebackers have in terms of whether, you know, I'm a, I'm a run-fitting first kind of guy and I struggle in, pass, or in the passing game, or I'm more of a hybrid guy who struggles uh, to plug holes in the run game. So uh, Ty Anthony Smith, a guy who on tape is very, very – uh, explosive running downhill, fitting the gaps, uh, stopping the run, but also a guy who I watched play safety in seven on seven. And mm. we talked about it earlier, Rod, it, mm. it, the the impact of seven on seven at the, the linebacker position is something that, you know, it, it comes with its downfalls, but it also, you know, helps elevate and get prospects ready for, you know, the, the passing game that has become so prevalent across all of college football. So I love what Ty Anthony Smith brings to the table. The Texas linebacking core that we've seen over the last couple of years has been you know, light years better than where it was under previous regimes. And again, Texas is looking at it like, you know, we're only taking one linebacker this class and we want it to be you. And that's why, you know, the, the visit took place this past weekend. And we've obviously seen uh, Ty Anthony Smith deeply consider his verbal pledge to Texas A&M not only prior to this weekend, but on his visit and into this weekend or into today's signing day festivities. And we'll see just that, you know, around 615, 630, where he ultimately ends up wanting to be. Hey, Matthew, uh, UT Parking, that comment you just added to the starred grouping, and that's a nice comment. And it uh, reflects on Steve Sarkeesian and his behavior, for lack of a better word, in the news conferences. It's a complete departure from what we were used to the, the prior three years or four years. So he says uh, Steve Sarkeesian's openness about how they view guys is really cool. His comment on Christian Clark got my attention. Just, Bobby, I'll let you start first if that's okay. Steve Sarkeesian's an open book. I mean, he's he's been through a lot, and perhaps some of the things that he's done to get himself to the position he's in today as both a human being and as a professional football coach are reasons why he is as open as he is because he's had to face some things. And perhaps that's what we're seeing when he talks to us He's very open and uh, just kind of has his heart on his sleeve. I don't know if that's going to 
ultimately always be a good thing because sometimes you want to keep some things under wraps. But the guy's pretty amazing in those news conferences, right? He kind of tells you the straight story, doesn't he? Comes off as genuine. That's for sure. And, yeah. and Rod goes, I, this goes back to something Rod said. He's talking about respect um, with Jeff Banks's comment mm-hmm. earlier today. Um, a coach expects to be respected, right? But not every coach lives it every day and is honest and open with the players. I mean, we know that. We've seen examples of that. Um, really good coaches sometimes aren't that way. Yeah, I get the feeling that Steve Sarkeesian actually tries to live it a little bit. I mean, he's he's got the respect of his players. I don't think he misleads them. I think, I mean, I, I've told this story, but there are a couple of guys last year um, during the uh, during a time when they could have easily have portaled and left Texas. Steve Sarkeesian gave them a scathing review. He wanted to keep those players, okay, at midterm. But he said, look, you're not doing enough. And those players came back, you know, and, and stayed and, and tried to make something of themselves. And so he's honest and open with these players. It's not that he dislikes them. He wants to. He wants their respect, but he's going to give them the respect of being honest with them. I mean, these are, these are guys like Malik Murphy is a great example. Steve Sarkeesian respects Malik Murphy. Otherwise, he wouldn't have told him, hey, I understand that you need to go. He could have sat there and begged him to stay. And probably and the young man probably would have stayed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. He, he, he yeah. didn't think that was what was best for him. I mean, Rod, Rod that's a unique, it's a unique relationship between coach and player that usually is only seen in the pros. And the reason it's usually only seen in the pros is because the pros, it's very cut and dry. We pay you this amount, you do this work, we're going to work together. Whereas in high school or uh, college, it's, it's not as cut and dry. And so there's, a, and kids, kids are still kids at that time. Do you think about Steve Sarkeesian that he kind of evokes that idea behind his players from, I know you've talked to some guys behind the scenes as well. Do you get that sense? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I like what you said earlier. No, he's, he is genuine. I've, I've talked about it. I, <laughs> he's one of the only coaches and he just includes Mac Brown. I love Mac Brown. That since I've been covering Texas football, which is what 16 years now, mm-hmm. that I actually pay attention to their media availabilities. Mm-hmm. Truth is, and I love Coach Brown. Love and to- Coach Herman was a good man, and, and I've had great conversations with Coach Herman, like off 
like off the air and kind of off the record. And Charlie Strong, I mean, Charlie Strong didn't give you much either. Those guys didn't give you anything at media availabilities, really. They didn't. It was coach speak. And I honestly didn't even bother listening to them on the songs. I was like, man, it's just coach speak. They're not going to give you any nugget. If anything, they give you any little tidbit, it'll blow up because they never give you anything. Mac Brown used to basically hold filibusters at the day on media availabilities, and you never even get that question in. <laughs> Stark will take a question that CJ asked him and go on a five-minute yeah. you know, soliloquy about and go off on different tangents and talk about things because he is very open and he's genuine he's authentic. That's just one example of it. And I, I do believe when he goes to the locker room with his team, with his coaches, I think he's a, I think he's the very same way. I think it, it is from his time with his struggles and his he had to go through his struggles openly. They it was it wasn't something he could do in the privacy of his you know uh, own home or with his family in private. No, his struggles were a pri- it was an open matter. All right, we all got a chance to watch him go through his struggles, deal with his adversity, and overcome it. By the way, and that you can man, that's part of your testimony. Matter of fact, that is your testimony. Look at where you are now. You're among Kenan DeBoer, who's the Fastest rising star in college football in terms of the coaching ranks. Nick Saban, the GOAT, and Jim Harbaugh, the ultimate cheating ball coach. But he's still the <laughs> ball coach. Nobody's had more success at the college and the pro level at, in terms of still coaching right now presently than Jim Harbaugh. All right? That's a ball coach, baby. And and Sark, who was once a prodigy, is now back where he probably would, should have been anyway. And maybe ahead if he didn't have to deal with the struggles. But if he didn't deal with the struggles and the adversity, would he be who he is today? Nope. I don't think so. He would tell you that right now, too. And that's why I think he he is so open and he's so authentic with the players. And he's all about respect because he went through it. And it was a, like I said, he's an open book because he had to go through it openly. And I admire that about him. He's 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 courageous in that aspect about his his culture. And he's willing to take some risks to protect his culture. And he I think, you know, and those risks have all paid off for him so far. Hey, Bobby's got an announcement to make. Uh, maybe pretty soon here. Not yet, but uh, not me. Not oh, me. Okay. I don't have oh. it. I think DeAlen Evans is announcing something at five o'clock on his oh, Twitter, okay. probably. Yeah. yeah. I, I I meant to say this about uh, Christian Clark. I, I didn't mean to evade that question. Yeah. Um, I, I told y'all that I like this guy. I've told y'all I liked him back in the summer before he even committed. I remember that. Uh, there is a reason that. There's a reason that Tashard Choice skipped over eight high school running backs in the state of Texas to pick Christian Clark out of Phoenix and Jarrett Gibson out of Gainesville, Florida. I mean, we can say what we want, but he likes those two guys. Go ahead, uh, CJ. Yeah, no, to the original question, you know, did you see Sarkeesian's quote about him? He wrote down on his evaluation card of Christian Clark, quote, Bijan Robinson, question mark. And that alone should give you the idea of how much confidence they have in him as a as a player, because we just watched for three straight years the magic that Bijan would bring to DKR every single Saturday, basically. So to to earn those praise or that that level of praise that soon after Texas just watched Bijan depart as the number seven, number eight pick in the NFL draft should give you every indication that that's a special player, and there are high expectations for him on the Forty Acres. Hey, we have a super chat, but it's a little personal to Rod here. So uh, oh. let's uh, show you, Matthew, what he got. He says, uh, CSM 101. says, hey, Ooh. Rod, I sent you a rookie card to autograph at the horn. Never got it back. So just look at okay. your um, – uh, 
pile of yeah. fan mail and see if you can find that and maybe get it back to her. CSM one hundred one. All right, CSM one hundred one. I, like you said, I, it, it, the, the horn. We're not honestly right now. We're not even in the same place. A lot going on oh. there. I'm not going to save y'all the trouble. Um, I'll say this though, CSM one hundred one. If you hit me up on Twitter, at, at Rod Babers on the Twitterverse, and try to hit me up and shoot me a DM, CSM one hundred one or Instagram, woke it up. I got my wife actually one of my birthday or a Christmas surprise few years ago, she went on like eBay and bought all my rookie cards. She like oh, bought a ton of she, like bought a lot of it. They ain't cost her much. They ain't cost her probably, <laughs> <laughs> cost her probably $5 to buy like 30 of them. I mean, I don't know what they work. But anyway, she bought a lot of them. And so I got I got some extra ones. If you didn't get it back, I could, I'll hook you up and I'll, I'll send it to you. Just drop me a DM so I can get your address. Boom. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't guarantee I got it or when it was sent. Well, I can rectify that though. I will. Thank you. Hey, I'm laughing, and I'm the one that doesn't have a rookie card. By the way, I'm just jealous. Hey, I'm actually it, it, jealous. It, it, <laughs> hey, one of my rookie cards they got the wrong player on there. It's a, it's a different player, and oh, it no. says my name. So I got three rookie cards, and, and one of them is mistaken identity. That's that's my legacy. <laughs> In a nutshell. Hey, CJ, you had a question. Uh, you asked Sark a question during the presser that I thought uh, really elucidated a pretty a lengthy response. Uh, what was the question, and, and what what did you hear back from him? Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great response by Sark, and I'm thankful that he was able to go into depth. But you know, I wanted to know from his perspective because it's been a hurdle that Texas has faced seemingly since you know the the last run to the national championship in 2009. You know, Texas. For as big of a program it is and how much attention it elicits has kind of fallen short in terms of one, developing NFL quality talent and two, you know, finding victories on the football field. And, you know, for a long time, especially when I first started covering recruiting, that's been kind of a sentiment that's been shared in the high school ranks with prospects and recruits that are considering Texas, have offers by Texas, are from the state of Texas. You know, that perception that Texas isn't, you know, on that level of, you know, a, a national program that can get guys to the league has, you know, kind of been a prevailing issue. So Sarkeesian went into to depth and he said, you know, when I took this job, I wanted to find uh, the, the best develop, the, the best staff at developing players for the next level. And we've seen that as the years have gone on under Sarkeesian's tenure at Texas. You know, they sent five guys to the league last year, two of them running backs, two of them defensive linemen. Obviously, uh, DeMarvio and Overshone in that mix as well. This year, we're looking at a plethora of guys: two, uh, two off or two wide receivers, you know, an offensive lineman, perhaps, maybe a tight end, you know, running back at Jonathan Brooks. Everywhere that you look on this field, you know, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat as well. There are so many guys that you can look at in this uh, Texas roster right now to say, "Hey, the results are changing." This isn't the Texas that it was before Steve Sarkeesian got here, and. You know, he, he kind of mentioned, you know, that's no longer uh, an issue that he's facing on a day-to-day. Yeah, some of these kids are a bit young. They haven't really experienced Texas win on a national stage. But, you know, Texas is 12-1 and one right now. They're playing for a national championship, uh, you know, birth January 1st. And one thing that really stood out to me is he's the trust that is building between him and the high school coaches that he deals with on a daily basis is huge because, you know, at the end of the day, who are these kids really sitting down with if they don't have, you know, someone in their corner that has gone through the 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 ringer in terms of what it's like to have a high school recruitment uh, go the distance. These high school coaches, 
are believing in the Texas staff. You know, they're sitting down and they're saying, you know what, they're, that's not a bad place to send your kid anymore because one, they're winning on the football field, and two, they're becoming great people in the Texas locker room. And three, above all, they're getting the opportunity to develop into being NFL quality players. So uh, it, it was a great answer. I was very happy that he was able to go into depth and, and really provide a, you know some great behind the scenes of what it's like to recruit as the head coach of the University of Texas. So really cool. And, you know, it's part of what makes today and, you know, the press conference that he does annually on on National Signing Day so cool. And I can speak to that. Just last week I was in the Waco area at Connolly High School where Kobe Black announced his commitment to Texas. And I talked to Terry Garrick, the head coach at Connolly, and he said uh, exactly the same thing. Terry Joseph, especially the defensive backs coach, he said that uh, Coach Joseph's been an amazing representative of the University of Texas and Coach Sarkeesian. They couldn't have had a better relationship with Coach Joseph and watching the way that Sark and the staff works with the high school coaches and the players and develops them. Because, you know, Connolly's had a couple of kids, Jelani McDonald and Trey Wisner, of course, before he went to DeSoto, was a Connolly cadet as well. So they've sent three kids from their high school to Texas in the last couple of years. So that shows you what that school thinks of uh, Coach Sarkeesian and what his staff is doing developmental wise. So I heard firsthand from a coach there. So yeah, it's legitimate. The coaches are buying into what Sark's message is. So it's uh, nice to see that. Um, I want to, I want to add this uh, one, one other piece of that. That's important. Players recruit players. Mm -hmm. True. So you think, and this is, is key, not only at a place like Waco Connolly where Texas is grabbed three, but what about a DeSoto? Mm. What about a Duncanville? right, where you're starting to see not just one guy, but multiples. They're going to places where they're being told, yeah, it's okay here. Yeah, I like it here. Mm -hmm. Just keep that in mind as you see more and more guys from a particular school end up at Texas. Players recruit players, and I think that's a key key aspect, uh, Ray, like, like you're talking about from Waco Conlon. Sure. Hey, Matthew, uh, by the way, if you've been hearing some dings in the background, that's uh, Matthew, our producer. He's a big Florida State fan, and he's not so happy this afternoon. I guess uh, <laughs> some other schools are stealing those Seminole recruits. So uh, you might see some uh, naughty words pop on the screen here. I don't know if he wants to share with I, his, his true feelings. Uh, well, but, Florida State and Florida had a bad day. Yeah. Now, Florida State did not have the bad day that Florida had. Florida State just lost a couple. They lost one to Georgia, I think, one to just now to Miami. But Florida got, I mean, they got pillaged in the last month, uh, including by Texas. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see how it all, all comes out. I mean, Florida State still got a top 10 class. It's Florida, though. At least they kept Derek Lagway, the quarterback out of Willis. If they would have lost him, I'm not so sure Billy Napier makes it to January. So uh, he, he did they, sign. They could not afford that. I mean, they just Lagway couldn't. did end up signing. I know that there was some. Yes, he did end up signing okay. with Florida. All right. So, if uh, Coach Riley out at USC wanted to steal him, he didn't didn't get that done. Hey, Burt Reynolds Jr. He's always one of my favorite posters. He's a frequent flyer in our chats, and uh, he had a question here, which is pretty interesting because we do see Georgia and Alabama. Near the top, this was at 453. It's in our starred batch there, Matthew. Matthew might be distracted by cussing out the what's going on with Florida State right now. But how big of a difference is having a, a one and two class, let's say what Alabama and Georgia does every year, versus a top four and five class, which is what we've had, maybe Clemson. Alabama stacked four classes 
ranked first, second, first, second in the last four years. And how different is that than what we've got going on at Texas currently? Is that can those top two can that extremely high echelon make that much of a difference from just a couple of uh, levels lower? What's your thoughts on that, Bobby and CJ? Um, it is a you difference. know from, go ahead, go CJ. Ahead. Uh, go ahead, buddy. I'll take it. I'll take it. I was going to say it's in large part the athleticism, kind of the the gap that you get uh, from being you know that blue chip four high four star five star kind of guy we talked about it earlier five star guys walk into a room and you instantly notice the build uh the physique and when you turn on the film it matches that you know there's a lot of guys that look like tarzan and play like jane these five star kind of guys that boost recruiting rankings into that number one and number two category they're the guys that you know fit the whole the whole picture if you're tarzan so uh, that's part of it i i i'd liken it like this you know for Texas this year, there's been guys that have gone down to injury. And instead of, uh, you know, filling spots with, you know, a former walk-on or a, a guy that may not have had the highest, you know, coveted re- recruitment back in high school, you're now filling them with guys like Malik Muhammad or uh, Derek Williams, guys who were wanted by everybody. And you see the immediate impact. And so it's more a depth thing in terms of, uh, you know, filling in uh, as, as seasons progress and guys depart, whether it be for the portal or for the NFL, you're always going to have that stacked kind of uh, uh, of what's a cubby or uh, cupboard, basically, of of guys that you can have at your disposal to, to plug and play and not see a, a drop off in athleticism and speed and physique and obviously football IQ. And that's really where uh, the importance of having these, you know, high IQ blue blue chip caliber prospects come in that we've seen Texas sign so many of today. Hey, speaking of covered, I love Trey Owens the other day. CJ, you were on the call with Bobby. You interviewed Trey Owens. And at the end, he said he was, what, 6'5", 235. And you said, spending a lot of time in the weight room, he said, or the pantry. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. How how poised was – he's 17 years old, I'm assuming 18 – for a kid like that to have that comeback, I was just blown away by what a clever comeback that was. So I, I wish I had comebacks like that as well. Awesome. That's so, hey, Rod, what are you seeing from Xavier Filsimi? I know that he's a safety and you're a cornerback, but uh, what do you see on tape from him? Because I know that he's one of the guys that could step in immediately and help us. Uh, yeah, I mean, even, you know, Sark talked about it, right, that he I believe his comment was the DBs in his class that he recruited. Uh, they got size, length and the ability to to play man coverage, right? Whether it's safety or corner. So it's pretty clear that they're, they're prioritizing guys who can cover. And that's what Xavier feels to me can do. He can cover from the slot. Um, he's also a guy I, I think projects has a skill set that if you need him to play nickel, he could play nickel. Um, and may, that basically means he can cover. He's got feet and got nice hips like a corner, fluid hips like a corner, not a lot of wasted movement, getting out of his breaks. Uh, it really kind of reminds you a lot of Derek Williams. I mean, I think that's really the projected future for their two safety spots will be, uh, you know, Derek Williams and Xavier Phil me two safeties who can cover pretty much like corners. And they're never at a matchup disadvantage when it comes to teams who are trying to isolate them. Teams did that a lot against Texas this year, three by one set. So the safety's got to cover that number three wide receivers formation in the boundary, isolate Jaron Thompson or Taft daddy or isolate Keaton Crawford uh, on the boundary side, on the short side. And that way you can go to work. Even Oklahoma state did that. They did that a lot as a matter of fact. Uh, and they were able to get some yards with that slot uh, receiver, uh, Presley, in the slot. You can do that against Texas because a lot of their safeties are 
and coverage liabilities. You get these, these guys in here and your coverage specialists now at the safety position allow you to be a lot more malleable on defense. When teams try to isolate your safeties, go by three by one says formation of boundary. They won't necessarily find a matchup advantage because those guys will be just as good as cover guys as your corners. By the way, this is not some new thing. Coach Akina did this when I was on the 40 acres. When he had to come up with an evolutionary adaptation to the air raid offense, Coach Akina decided, you know what? I need corners basically at safety. That's why our, our safeties were Nathan Basher and Ahmad Brooks, two guys who played corner the previous year. And me and uh, Quentin Jammer, we ended up being the, the corners. All right. In that office, so you had corners basically all around that secondary prioritizing coverage. Guys, it's like fashion. It's cyclical. Football is too. Mm-hmm. They're coming back now. Mm-hmm. They won't. They want corners and, and prioritizing coverage across the board. Xavier feels to me gives you that. There you go. And he also hey. mentioned, by the way, he also mentioned that Kobe Black is a three position player. So, wow. what did Robbie tell you? They're prioritizing versatility, manufacturing depth in the secondary because they don't want guys to get isolated because, oh, Ryan Watts is only a boundary. He's only a boundary corner. Oh, this guy is only a boundary safety. This guy's only a field safety. Our nickels don't travel, which they don't do now. And that's how you're getting isolated and exposed. The more malleable, more versatile your defenders are, the fewer matchup advantages the offense will get. And he just said it in the press conference, Kobe Black, Three-position player, people. We're going back to exactly when I played on the Fort Acres. The, uh, Coach Akina called them five-tool DBs. They're the same thing. Guys who can play yep. damn near anything. I'm recruiting DBs in the secondary, not just recruiting corners. Remember, Kobe Black kept saying, I'm a cornerback. I'm a cornerback on social media. And then Sark's like, he's a DB. Yeah. He's a DB. He's- I'll tell you what the hell he is. He's a DB. A little bit of everything. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, I, I think that uh, recently some of those uh, recruitment thefts that Miami had with Florida State may have moved the Hurricanes. Uh, le- they leapfrogged us a little bit there, but we're still in the top five, I believe. Right, Bobby? So we're probably still in that uh, nice uh, high cotton, as they like to say there. So uh, there we are there. But maybe we'll get some news coming out of Jasper this evening. No promises that might change that, and we'll see. But, but uh, you look at the you look at the average rating there, and Texas actually stays in the top four. Uh, hmm. Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia, then Texas, but Miami with twenty seven commitments, clearly uh, having a big recruiting year. They just took a defensive lineman away from Florida State. Uh, that was a big pickup for the the Hurricanes. Uh, they're closing very strong. Uh, they tried to get Jeremiah Smith, the wide receiver, uh, out of uh, uh, wide receiver out of uh, Hollywood Chaminade High School down in South Florida. Uh, he actually ended up sticking with Ohio State. So uh, the, the the Hurricanes and Mario Cristobal trying uh, to get back in that top uh, echelon of college football, but uh, we'll see if they can put it together on the field. Okay. Uh, nothing on Dylan Evans uh, today, apparently. So uh, we'll see what he does in the near future, but I don't think we'll have anything here in the next hour or so. So that's going to do it for us. For this particular segment, we're going to take a little little time off, maybe about an hour, and come back post 6.15, before 6.30, certainly, because that's when Ty Anthony Smith over in Jasper is supposed to announce uh, what his plans are and put pen to paper, because it is that day, right? So thank you so much for joining us here on On Texas Football. For Rod Babers, Bobby Burton, C.J. Vogel, I'm Ray Peters. We really appreciate you joining us. Again, we'll be back in about an hour with Ty Anthony, uh, Ty Anthony Smith, and then uh, I think Rod and I, and maybe, I don't know, who else is going to be on the, the call? I think it'll Rod, be CJ for, for sure. But CJ's got a – one of the reasons we're leaving y'all right now is CJ's getting kicked out of 
new house. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. got to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll, up there we'll see you back in about an hour. Yeah, but thank you so much for everything, and we'll see you in a little bit with uh, more tonight. We're not going anywhere. Just for All a little right. bit. Take care. Uh, welcome, welcome, guys. Welcome.